Hey everybody, it's Aaron Albert. It is Friday, September 11th, 2020, and let's do this. We made it. So breaking news, really excited about this. I want to thank each and every one of you who also happen to be American Society for Pharmacy Law members because I was notified last night that I have been elected to serve as your president-elect for ASPL in the 2020-2021 incoming year. So I'm very excited about this opportunity. Thank you again if you voted and uh, spread the word on this fantastic organization. I have been a fan of ASPL now for, wow, I want to say more than a decade, believe it or not. Um, I was introduced to the organization when I wrote a book about pharmacy law and healthcare lawyers. And I was introduced through that network and that process to Professor Joe Fink down at University of Kentucky. And he is one of the founding fathers of the organization, the American Society for Pharmacy Law. And he introduced me to it as I was transitioning at Butler into teaching pharmacy law to the pharmacy students at Butler University College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences. He was kind enough to get me connected to the pharmacy law educators within the group. And really, without them, but for them, I would probably not have survived teaching pharmacy law. It is one of the hardest courses, I think, in the pharmacy curriculum to teach. Um, It's kind of a hot potato A lot of professors really don't want to own it. And it's really hard to teach because, number one, laws keep constantly changing. The courts change law. Uh, You've got Congress. You've got state law that you've got to keep up to date. Number two, it's kind of outside of the realm of most pharmacists' interests. I mean, let's be honest. they, They love the science and the nerdy pharmacology stuff, not necessarily black and white letter law right? And memorizing law. Number three, it's can be kind of a dull topic to teach too. And it's really a challenge sometimes to come up with great examples. That's, I guess the easiest part is case law there because you can talk about specific legal cases. It's harder in black and white law, especially newer law. So I really appreciate the American Society for Pharmacy Law for not only helping me teach how to teach pharmacy law through their pharmacy law educators group, but as well, uh, I love the organization because it gives those of us who are PharmD JDs out there or RPH JDs the opportunity to earn dual credit. So at their annual meeting every fall, we'll have it again November 5th through 8th this year, It's going to be all virtual, but you can, as a pharmacist attorney, sit and get both types of credit for continuing education. It's probably one of a handful of organizations here in the U.S. that offer dual credit, and I'm so appreciative that they have that opportunity because both as a pharmacist and an attorney, I have to get my CE knocked out, and most organizations only provide one or the other, not both. And I really honestly think in this climate that we're in with COVID-19, it's super important to have those of us who are kind of in that intersection between pharmacy, healthcare, and law 
to be able to be and serve as translators, to understand and appreciate the lawmakers' points of view, as well as pharmacies' point of view and healthcare's. So I am so excited to serve uh, this fall. I'll be inducted at the annual meeting in November. So if you are on the fence or if you've never attended ASPL, this year would be a phenomenal opportunity for you to do so because our rates for attending are super low because we're all doing it virtually. So it's a great opportunity for you to kind of dip your toes into the water if you need pharmacist CE or legal credit or both. It is a fantastic way to just knock out both all at once. And I do believe every year they have ethics, C-L-E too, by the way. And I know getting that credit is super hard sometimes as a lawyer. So I'm excited. I think it'll be a really interesting and fun challenge. Um, I'm ready to dig in and help uh, strategically plan ahead for the organization, and I'm so excited to be a part of it. So that was my big news. Uh, other than that, I mean, we had a lot going on as usual. HHS finally uh, provided the opportunity for pharmacists to give COVID-19 vaccines once they become available from adults down to age three this past week, which is exciting news and a, another opportunity for us to show our value now we need to get our lawmakers to step up to provider status and it's time we've been talking about this for years now and i think if we can't demonstrate the value and serving on the front lines as pharmacists during the pandemic we're never going to have this opportunity again to show our value as providers so be sure to follow the Facebook page on provider status for pharmacists. I know Eric Geyer and his team is really working hard on that. Write your legislators. Talk to them about the value and all the wonderful services that pharmacists provide in the healthcare system. Now we have to come together and demonstrate the value one last time, I think. It, it will be so important for us for the security of the profession. And also a COVID vaccine, a, a pretty big one with AZ and Oxford, I think got the pause button this last week. They had a patient that had an uh, adverse event. And I'm, I mean, I'm a little sad about that, but I've, I've kind of read through, there's about 160 different candidates for COVID-19 vaccines out there right now. There are three different kind of major types, one of which is just cool by nature. It's a Trojan horse model. Um, there's another that is looking at the spike proteins and using that as the vehicle for the vaccine. I think, I hope that one of these 160s make it out. I know there's been a couple that have been approved in China but it's just like the flu, I'm thinking, in that, you know, every flu season, we have to kind of guess ahead to see what formulation will be effective for the coming fall. And sometimes we miss out on it. So I suspect the coronavirus vaccine may have that similar concern or issue. But nonetheless, we're moving forward. There's quite a few in phase three clinical trials already. Hopefully we can 
keep it all moving forward. And I, I have to say, one of my colleagues, when we were giving a talk earlier this week, mentioned that, you know, as a veteran, he was in the pharmaceutical industry for over 30 years. And this, he had to say, was the first time that he saw seen unprecedented cooperation among the uh, pharmaceutical companies. And that gives me hope. So hopefully we can find a candidate out there and move on with our lives and get back to those fun things like having dinner with our friends and family and not having to wear masks and travel to different continents again, right? That would be so awesome, but we're not quite there yet. So we still have to, you know, make sure that we're physically distancing, washing our hands copiously and making sure that we wear our masks. So each and every day we get one step closer to that day. I'm excited about it. I want you all to have a fantastic weekend. I know that, you know, there are still some concerns with entrepreneurs in particular, small business owners. Wrote a piece this week in Apex Benefits blog about keeping it local. I provided some opportunities for pharmacy and pharmacy benefit managers that are located in my state of Indiana. I would encourage all of y'all to think about, you know, shopping local, supporting your local businesses. I had a good friend that posted, if we don't start going to the restaurants that we know and love that are local, they're going to be closed within two months. And I don't want to see that as an entrepreneur and someone who loves to support local businesses. So let's all get out there. Even if it's carry out, we can do that. Let's support the local business owners. I think it's uh, long past due that we try to do our very best to support one another at this crazy, crazy time. Have a great weekend and take care. I'm sure I'll be back soon.